Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting the Productivity Show. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days. No catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbook.com forward slash TPS and enter TPS in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Thanks also to Grammarly for supporting the Productivity Show. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com forward slash TPS to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Welcome to the Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get everything done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Do you have trouble achieving your goals? Even if you meticulously plan out your whole year, taking those plans and translating them into accomplishments doesn't always work out the way you hope. A powerful framework for achieving your goals is called the 12-week year, which is based off a book by Brian Moran, Michael Lannington. In this episode, we revisit the 12-week year and share five tips that will help you succeed with it and accomplish your goals faster and more consistently. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 288. And now, on with the show. Right, we are live here on the Productivity Show. How you doing, Brooks? I'm great. How are you? It's good to see. You. I know you just came back from Asia. I, uh, for those who don't know, we, we have some team members in Asia, and about a week ago, I said to Brooks, "Hey, Brooks, I think it would be a good idea for you to go to Asia and do some training with the team." And this is a three week, or no, not three week, but a three day notice. <laughs> yeah. And so we actually ended up going to Asia, and now you're back as of today. Yeah. And the fun part is we didn't tell them I was coming in a fun surprise way, not in a drop in and check on them way. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> so we didn't tell them I was coming. Only only one of them knew. And uh, so we were lining up to board the plane. And then all of a sudden uh, they came and saw me standing there in the check in lineup to, to go on the plane. And uh, I wish I had a video of their faces because they were they were a little surprised. So it was a really, really, really fun time. And it just goes to show, we were just talking about this off air, just goes to show if you want to do a trip to Asia with three days notice, you can pull it off and everything will work out well. Yeah, well, I just got back from California. Most of my family lives there and we just finished as we are recording this Lunar New Year. And it was great to see the family and I literally just got off the plane about 45 minutes ago, ready to rock and roll and to record today. So today we're going to be talking about the 12-week year. And for those who don't know, hey, I'm Tian Fan. I'm the founder and CEO of Asian Efficiency. And I'm Brooks, the operations director of Asian Efficiency, and we're the co-hosts of The Productivity Show. And one of the things we always like to do on the show is before we dive into the content, we like to share some of our favorite productivity resources with you right out of the gate. So the first one I want to share with you today is an app called Pocket Biases. So I'm somebody who's obsessed learning about cognitive biases. And if you're not familiar with this term, it's all about understanding your own behavior. And they have like psychology terms for them, essentially. So it's just how you make decisions, how you think through stuff, how you solve problems and stuff. And if you understand certain patterns of how we think and make mistakes, you can catch yourself in that moment and either then correct a mistake, make a better decision, or take the right action. And so pocket biases is a great 
app that works on all platforms. So whether you have an iPhone, Android, or Microsoft phone. And I love this app because every single day it shows me a new cognitive bias. So definitely recommend you go check that out. Uh, number two is a cable called Cable Creation 2-in-1. So I love this particular cable because I travel a lot and sometimes I'll bring my Kindle with me and then I have my iPhone with me. And then in the past, I used to have two cables to be able to charge both devices. And now with this cable creation, I can have one cable, but it has two different split ends in a way where it can charge a micro USB and a lightning port as well. So a typical Apple product. So now I just take one cable with me and that saves me a lot of headache and frustration. So definitely go check that out as well. And then the third one is a personal journaling app called Gratitude. As you know, at Asian Efficiency, we're big fans of expressing gratitude on a regular basis. And uh, this is a personal app that you can use to kind of keep track of your daily gratitude actions and affirmations for yourself. So go check that out. And we'll have links to all of this in the show notes as well. So Brooks, we're going to be talking about the 12-week year today. But for those who don't know what this is or why we're doing this episode, can you kind of explain what we're going to be doing today? Yeah, the 12-week year is one of those one of those frameworks or methodologies or whatever you want to call it that is in our top three, I would say, of methodologies that members of our community have have found success with, listeners of the Productivity Show has found success with. But we haven't talked about it in a while. We first talked about it, I think, almost two years ago back in TPS 138. So if you've tried methodologies like GTD, Agile, that sort of thing, Franklin Covey, and they're not, you found they haven't worked for you, you definitely want to give the 12-week year a try because if you found that you're, you've planning, like you've got the planning part down, but you're not actually hitting your goals. You're not actually executing this great plan that you made. It may be that your planning part is not an issue. It's the execution part. And a 12-week year plan is a really great way of executing on your goals by not focusing on a whole year at a time, but instead focusing on just a quarter. So that's why they call it the 12-week year because you're just focusing on a quarter. You know, we would be very remiss if we didn't mention that the 12-week year is not a framework or concept that we came up with. It's actually from a book called The 12-Week Year, and we will have a link to that in the show notes so that you can go check it out. Yep, and we also have a course on this particular methodology as well. So if you join the dojo, you will have access to our 12-Week Year course and we're going to show you how to actually implement this methodology based on some of the tweaks that we've made internally as well to increase your success rate. So if you're already familiar with this framework, but you have trouble implementing it or you're not having great success with it so far, go check that out. You can just go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo and check out that course as part of your membership. So one of the big things about the 12-week year, as the names implies and says, is that you do everything in a 12-week year. So instead of setting a goal for what we typically do and what most people do is for one year, you set it for 12 weeks, which comes out to roughly 90 days or so. And if you've been studying productivity for a while, you probably have seen similar names out there, like 90-day year planning, 12-week year stuff. And the big idea behind it is that the more sense of urgency you have, the more likely you actually accomplish things, right? And especially if you plan something in a shorter time frame, there's just that sense of urgency, that deadline that you set for yourself that's, that makes you more likely to take action and actually propel yourself forward, right? And uh, a really simple example of this, if you set a deadline for yourself or your boss 
or someone higher up says, hey, I need to have you get this particular task done by tomorrow or by Friday, chances are you're going to do it more likely and faster and by a certain time than when someone says, hey, Brooks, I need you to do this whenever you want to, right? Or at least within the next six, six months or so. And then oftentimes what happens, we'll procrastinate for the first four months or we'll just totally forget about it. You know, 30 days out, we go, oh yeah, I should probably start doing that thing that I was told to do. And then two days in or two days before the deadline, you go, oh wait, I have to get this done. And then you start to pull an all-nighter or you have to take work home with you and that kind of stuff, right? So we want to prevent all of that from happening. And that's, I think, is where the 12-week year is so powerful. But it comes down to a couple simple steps. And uh, Brooks, can you walk us through what those steps are as part of the 12-week year. Yeah, and the reason we like the 12-week year and we recommend it a lot to people who are uh, having trouble executing their goals is it kind of has it all uh, in this one system. So you first you start with a vision. So you you think about why is it that you want to do what, what you do? And that's the most important pl- part is to start with your vision of what is the big picture, what are you looking to do? Then, like you said, you focus. So you focus on those 12 weeks. You're purely focused on execution during the 12-week period. You don't worry about what's coming after that. You make sure your main focus is on those things that are in your 12-week. You limit it to two or three goals. You don't want to do a bunch of different things. You just limit it to just a few goals that are really, really important to you and they want to take action on. Even if they're not technically urgent, you're making them urgent by focusing in your 12 weeks. And then you're keeping score. So you're checking to see, are you actually doing the things that you're supposed to be doing? And how is it working out? How are you making progress towards your goal? You're not, it's not just, you know, thinking to yourself, oh yeah, I think I did an okay job. No, you're actually scoring and tracking how, how it's going. And then finally, you're leveraging accountability. So you're getting others involved. You are making sure that you're accountable for completing your 12-week year goals. And so you bring all that together. And again, uh, like Tan mentioned, we go through this in great detail with a lot of tools and and helpers in that dojo course. It's called the AE way to implement the 12-week year. You bring all those together. And as long as you kind of keep going with the tracking and the scoring, you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish. So in this episode, we have five tips to help you out today for implementing the 12-week year. So even if you've never implemented this framework, but you're interested in achieving your goals and making sure that you're actually executing, you're going to get as much out of this episode as somebody who is already implementing this but is not having a lot of success. So there's going to be a lot of insights and tips that you can use. And even if you don't plan on using the 12-week year, you're still going to learn a lot of different tips that you can apply to your own personal productivity system. So Let's dive into the first one. And the first tip that we have for everybody is to focus on fewer goals. One of the things that we always see people struggle with, and we've done this meticulously many times as well, is that you start the year, you get really excited, and you have a lot of things that you want to accomplish, and all of a sudden you say to yourself, you know what, I want to accomplish these 10 different things this year. You want to travel to this place, you want to save X amount of money, you want to get this project done, you want to launch your business, you want to write a book, and on and on and on, right? And most of us are very excited about that idea and having that quote-unquote vision, and I say that between air bracket quotes because it's not really a vision, but that's what most people think is a vision. And we'll talk a little bit about it later. But the whole idea is that we get really excited. We have a lot of goals. But oftentimes, the more goals we have, 
the lower chance of success we have at accomplishing them. So to say that another way, the fewer goals that you have, the more likely you will succeed at accomplishing those goals. So the first tip is to make sure that you focus on just one, two, three at most goals and just focus on executing on those and forget about everything else. And this is going to be really challenging for a lot of people because you might say, oh yeah, well, I want to do these five things. They're equally important or these seven different things. I have to get them done this year. And I totally get that, right? And it feels strange. It feels counterintuitive to focus on fewer things. But based on our experience and the people that we've helped over the years, the tens of thousands of people that we impacted through the blog and the podcast every year, we've seen this over and over and over again. The fewer goals that you have, the more likely you will succeed. Yeah. And this is something that uh, Nate, who's a Dojo member, has said too. He said, you know, don't try to do everything or even half of everything. Just really break it down. He says, the biggest mistake he made, and I bet this is the biggest mistake that everybody makes who tries the 12-week year, is to try to cram too much into that 12 weeks. Because like you said, you think to yourself, it's easy for us to say, you know, only focus on two or three things, but it's a lot harder than, like you said, it's a lot harder than you think. And this is what Nate has found. He, he tried to cram too much in, and this is what most of us do because everything seems important, but you have to kind of take a longer view by focusing just on those two or three things in this 12 weeks, that's going to mean that you are able to do other things in the next 12 weeks and the next 12 weeks. So if you take a longer view, you're going to get more done by sacrificing things in the short term. And one of the things that you and I have seen many times at Asian Efficiency 2s, we don't particularly use the 12-week year framework on the Asian Efficiency, like the company level, Right. But we take a very similar approach. We plan on a quarterly basis. We follow this framework called scaling up. And the idea is very simple too and very similar that we plan in 90-day chunks, one quarter at a time, which is what kind of the 12-week year does as well. And we've learned through many quarters that uh, if we try to accomplish or try to accomplish three or more things, it just never happens. Our success rate just plummets. And it pretty much equals zero percent. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if we focus on just one thing a quarter, like one big initiative, then our success rate is almost like one hundred percent. And then if we go for two, our success rate I would say is like eighty-five, ninety percent or so, right? And so we've learned from just trying and experimenting that the fewer goals that you have, the more likely you actually accomplish them. This also applies on a personal level very much as well. And so when you are putting down your plan for the next 12 weeks or the next 90 days, you're going to run into this challenge of just picking one or two things to work on. And the best thing you can do is just to say, okay, what's the one domino that if I accomplish this, everything else will be a lot easier, right? And if you can figure out what that domino is, what what is that one goal that will unlock everything else? you'll see that there's one clear goal that's more important, that should be a higher priority than everything else. And if you can figure that out, then everything else becomes a lot easier. And this is something we talk a lot about in the course as well uh, that we have inside the dojo. So if, so if that's something you need help with, definitely go check that out. Again, it's at theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. 
Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, speaking of the dojo, we record these episodes live in front of our dojo community. And uh, Janira makes a really great point. This is why I like recording live, because our members make awesome points. And uh, one is she says that it feels great when you focus on fewer goals, but you actually accomplish those goals. So it, it just makes you feel great. So it makes you feel more accomplished. So you just build up this momentum by reaching goals early and then moving on to the next one versus having these long, drawn out goals and long, drawn out things throughout the year. So don't underestimate the power of momentum and success. So that's a great point. So think back to when you started your small business. There were a million different tasks you had to do and it never felt like you had enough time to do them all. If you're like most business owners, you've felt that way at least a little bit ever since. So why not make things a little easier? Our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than that shoebox filled with crumpled and faded receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and have them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Even better, you can create and send customized invoices right from within the FreshBooks app. Invoicing's never been faster or easier than it is with FreshBooks. There's nice reports that you can filter by client, by team member, or by date, so you can see where things are and then export them for your accountant. Have your invoices and expenses perfectly organized for tax time without stress, and FreshBooks grows alongside your business. You'll always have the tools you need when you need them without having to learn the ins and outs of accountant. Your accountant needs to deal with that stuff, not you. So join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks, Try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash TPS and enter TPS in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter, whether you're at school, at work, or when you're on the go. Grammarly's free version can be downloaded by anyone on your computer and phone and helps you review critical spelling and grammar. The real magic, though, is with Grammarly Premium. It gives you more advanced help. It looks at advanced punctuation, structure, style, vocabulary, conciseness, tone, and readability for different occasions like writing a resume, a pitch, an article, or an essay. I've been a paid Grammarly Premium user for over two years now, and I love it. There's one feature that I find surprisingly helpful, and that's Grammarly's Tone Detector, which works on most sites, but requires Grammarly Premium for some business-related sites. If you use Grammarly's Chrome, Firefox, or Safari extension, Grammarly will check the tone of your writing. But what's most helpful is it'll display how the tone of your writing reads using an easy-to-see emoji on the side. Yeah, that's right, an emoji. So if you're writing, say, a friendly email and Grammarly shows it has a formal tone, maybe you want to use friendlier language. On the flip side, if you're writing a formal article and it shows it as excited and optimistic, maybe you want to dial things back a bit. So go to Grammarly.com forward slash TPS and get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com forward slash TPS for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. That is tip number one, focus on fewer goals. So let's move on to tip number two here, and that is to have a really strong why. And a part of this framework, as you mentioned, Brooks, earlier, is having a vision. 
And I think most people who start with goal setting and trying to accomplish their goals, they actually skip this step oftentimes because they think that, okay, if I just make this imagination come true somehow, then everything else will just, you know, fall into place, right? And this imagination is great and what, you know, a lot of people equal to as vision, but you need to be able to write it down. You need to be able to really create a compelling vision, not just a vision, but a compelling vision that really entices you to one, keep going and get started, but also two, to be able to measure that over time as well. And there's something we'll talk about a little bit later, but a lot of people are able to logically connect with something that they want to accomplish, but not emotionally. And that, that is something that I see either the education is not there, so people just don't know that they should do that, or two, they can't figure out what their quote-unquote why is behind their goal, right? So a really simple example of this is that a lot of people will set weight loss goals, right? So they'll say, hey, I want to lose like 10 pounds or I want to lose like 50 pounds or I want to be able to get in shape. And the more specific you are, the better, right? And it's something we've always talked about on the podcast, the more specific you are, the better. So instead of saying, I want to get in shape, you should say, I want to lose 20 pounds, right? That's more specific. That's something you can also measure and it makes everything else just a lot easier, right? But most people can logically say, okay, that is something I really want to do. But then when you hit a roadblock or something comes up and like life gets in the way and then you get busy doing other things, then it's easy to say, oh man, do I really want to lose those 20 pounds? Yeah, that can wait, you know? And so you can logically connect with your goal, but what's oftentimes missing for most people is to be emotionally invested or connected to your goal as well. And this is where we've talked sometimes, I think on the podcast as well a few times, but definitely in our courses, we talk about the five why exercises where you just ask yourself why five times. Why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Oh, for this reason. Why? For this reason. Why? And you did it five times and you eventually figure out why you really want to do this. And if you can write that down, then you can logically connect with your goal, but also emotionally. And that is really the key point here. Yeah, and if you're having trouble, because for some people, it's very obvious and very easy to to figure out why are you doing something? What What's your why? And like you said, the five whys exercise is an excellent way to do that. If you're still struggling and you aren't really sure, Actually, that, the course that we talked about earlier, the course in the dojo, has a, a list of vision prompts to help you get started. So there's a series of questions. It's an extra resource in the course that you can that you can ask yourself to help you define your why and your, your kind of overending purpose. Like here's an example. Like this is an example from the vision prompts. What legacy would you like to leave behind? What's your end game? So, you know, think to yourself, OK, if I were to complete this, what would that look like? What would that what would that do for your legacy, for the world, for your family, for your business. That's an example of a vision prompt you can ask yourself in order to keep going. And you might think, you were mentioning that a lot of a lot of times we just kind of like jump into the execution and skip right over the why. And for some goals that, you know, the easier to complete ones, the, the faster ones, that could be okay. It might work out totally fine. But it's the challenging goals usually the goals that make the most impact the those domino goals that you were talking about usually they are more difficult to achieve and when you start getting stuck when you start getting off track when you start going in a a direction that is maybe not taking you where you want to go that's when your why is really really powerful because it can help you get unstuck and help you stay on track so definitely this is a, a big mistake that we see people make with defining goals So you definitely do not want to skip over the vision or the why. 
So again, that is tip number two, making sure that you have a really strong why. Let's move on to tip number three here, and that is to track your actions. How oftentimes, Brooks, have you set goals and you just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And then by the end of the year, you go, uh, did I actually accomplish this? Did I actually hit it? And you don't actually even know if you actually hit it or not. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. And in fact, even worse than that, sometimes what can happen is at the start of the year, you say, oh, my goal is to do X. And then maybe at midway point or later on in the year, you kind of go back and look at your goals and you remember, oh, I totally forgot that was even something I said I wanted to do. So yeah, that has happened to me in a lot of times. An example of this, you gave a a weight loss example, and this is a perfect example of tracking because an example of this is calorie counting, like 100%, and this is something I've heard from other people as well, like 100% of the time when you do active calorie tracking, lose weight. And that is typically because when you track something, you by nature are paying attention to it. And then you actually start making little subconscious decisions that take you in the direction of your goal because you know you have to track it. And so it's top of mind. So yeah, tracking is, is really, really important. So again, the big idea here is that you want to track your actions as much as possible because that will show you if you're actually on track to accomplish your goals or not, right? So going back to the weight loss example, if you just set at the beginning of the year, I want to lose weight and specifically you would say something like, I want to lose 20 pounds. How do you actually know if you actually lost 20 pounds or not, right? You would step on the scale and then look at it and say, okay, I lost two pounds. I'm on track to do this, right? But if you never stepped on the scale and you just went about living your life and hopefully your best life, (laughs) then you still wouldn't know if you're actually on track to hit your goal now, right? You might look in the mirror and you say, like, I think I'm on track or you might go the opposite route. You go, oh, no, you know, I've definitely gone the other way. So I know this sounds so overly simplistic, but you would be surprise how many people actually don't track their progress whatsoever. Right? So the weight loss, again, really simple example because I think everybody can relate to that. But what what about you know launching your book? What about launching your business? What about getting published? What about starting that side hustle? What about redesigning your website? Like all these different things are projects or goals for some people. But then how do you actually measure that? Right. And that is oftentimes the challenging part is If something is numerical, like weight loss, for example, that's kind of easy. But then there's projects where, oh man, like how do you track whether you're on track to redesign your website and launch it in time, right? That might be a little bit more challenging. So then you have to get a little bit more creative on on how you do that. We'll talk a little bit about measures in the next tip here. But everything can be measured. You just have to think through what you need to measure to do that. So to give an example, let's say you want to publish a book right? How would you measure in maybe 90 days if you can publish a book or not, right? So one way to do that would be say, well, if you spend, let's say two hours a day purely writing, are you then closer to publishing your book? Chances are yes, right? And so if you can track how much time you spend writing every single day and it starts to drop off from like two hours a day, two hours and then all of a sudden it's like 10 minutes a day, Well, guess what? You're probably not going to get that book published, right? Because now you're tracking and you're seeing that, okay, I'm not spending enough time writing. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to get published if I, you know, continue this path of just spending 10 minutes a day, right? 
So everything that you do can be measured in some shape or form. You just have to get a little bit more creative depending on the outcome that you're looking for. And so it's the same thing with anything else. Whenever you're focused on tracking something, you're more likely to stay on track to accomplish your goals. So to give you another example, whenever I was like heavily focused on saving money, one of the things that I learned from people was to spend money purely in cash for a whole week because yeah, most people don't like budgeting. Most people don't like to create a Google spreadsheet or whatever and then say, oh yeah, I wanna spend $250 on food every single month, you know, $100 on groceries a week or whatever, right? Nobody loves to do that and it's very philosophical, very non-practical in a lot of different ways because you don't really get real data, right? But if you force yourself to only spend cash, meaning bills, coins, and so on, every single day for a week, you start to see, whoa, there's so much money going out and you're like, you're actually more mindful about how you spend your money now, right? And when we're swiping our credit cards or we're Venmoing people or whatever, then we're less focused on, oh, it's less tangible almost, right? Because we're not really tracking stuff. It's like all over the place and it's like invisible in a way. Whereas if you make it front and center on top of mind where you actually see it and you're interacting with it as well, like spending money in cash, then you become more conscious about how you spend your money, right? So when I was doing this for a week, I realized, wow, I'm spending so much time on lunch and dinner and drinks. I'm spending so much time money on frivolous stuff that I you know, wasn't even thinking about twice before, but now I am because now I have to take out my wallet, yeah. you know, pull out some bills you know, and go, wow, I can't believe I spent like $5 on a coffee or something, right? Or actually tea because I don't really drink coffee. <laughs> but <laughs> you get the idea and you start to realize, wow, I'm spending all this money and all this money is going out of my bank account in my pocket and I never realized it, right? It's the same thing with your goals. If you're not really tracking stuff, you're just not on top of mind. It's not in front of center of your mind as well. So you just end up doing things that are really frivolous and don't end up to anything. Oh, I'm glad you brought up that example of paying attention to money and spending because it reminded me of this book that I read back in, I don't know, 2008 or something like that. And it's called Your Money or Your Life. And I think there's an updated version in the last couple of years, but I, I haven't read it. I've only read the original version. And it talks about that. It talks about tracking your, your spending, paying attention. And one thing that it recommended, and this is what I started doing back then, and I've done every month since, so going on whatever it is, 12 years now, is charting out your assets, your liabilities, and your net worth. And so every month I kind of calculate the net worth. And one, th one of the things the book said is, aside from what we've been talking about with tracking, tracking your spending and just, you know, you start when you track your spending, you start making better decisions just by the nature, but also being able to visually see your net worth and the impact that that has over a long period of time is really, really powerful. And this is something I found as well, just seeing visually, once you've done it for a while, the impact on the things that you do, or, uh, you know, the investments that you make or don't make, or the debt that you go into or don't go into, the impact that that has over time is really, really motivating as well. So again, I haven't read the newer version of the book, but I recommend people, I'll drop a, a link to the book in, a, in the show notes, because it really talks about the power of tracking when it comes to, to money stuff. So again, that is tip number three is to make sure you track your actions. So that leads to tip number four, and that is related to this. And that is called focusing on leading measures. 
So this is a kind of an eye-opening concept when you never heard of this idea before, but it's the whole idea that certain metrics are better to measure than others. And if you can focus on quote unquote, what they call leading measures, then you can actually predict if you're on track to accomplish your goals or not, right? So a lot of times when we focus on goal setting, we think about outcomes. We think about what they call lag measures. And so if we focus on these metrics that don't actually give us an idea whether we are on track or not, it kind of gives us sometimes a false positive whether we can actually accomplish our goal or it doesn't actually tell us anything at all, right? So to give an example, if we go back to the weight loss example, you might say, okay, I want to lose, let's just say 12 pounds in one year, right? So that's a really simple example. And you have to essentially lose one pound a month to make sure that you're going to be quote unquote hitting your goal, right? So that's an example of a lag measure. You lost one pound a month to get to 12 months and then we'll lead into 12 pounds, right? And that is a lag measure. That is an outcome that has happened in the past, right? And how that one pound got lost, like, it can be sheer manifestation. It could be like <laughs> drinking less water. It could be fasting for a day. It could be whatever you did, right? The outcome was you lost a pound in a single month, right? And that is how oftentimes most people kind of like quote unquote measure their actions or their results, right? And that's how they can then predict quote unquote if they're actually going to hit their goal or not. And the 12 week year, that book actually talks about how Actually, that's not the right way to go about it. The better way to go about it is to focus on leading measurements. And leading measurements will lead to the results that oftentimes are, quote unquote, the lag measures that will eventually lead into you know, the outcome that you're looking for. So going back to the example that I just mentioned, you know, the one pound a month, right? if that is something that you can measure and you know, hit that target of, right? The leading measure would be something that leads into dropping one pound a month, right? So what are what are the things that can lead into dropping one pound a month? The, those are the things you want to focus on, right? Because that is something you can influence and measure. Whether you lose one pound or not, it's not something you can really influence directly because, again, it happened in the past. But what we can do is focus on what we can do now that will lead to the one pound drop in weight. So to give an example, uh, if the lag measure is one pound of weight loss, leading measures, and this could be done a different way, would be to say, okay, if I work out three times a week, that will lead into one pound weight loss, right? Or if I eat like seven salads in a week, then that will lead to weight loss. Or another way would be if I track every single day that I'm eating 2,000 calories a day, then that will lead into quote-unquote one pound a day as well, or one pound a month as well, right? So again, these are different examples of leading measures, right? So when I'm creating my plan for the 12-week year, I want to say I want to focus on the leading measure because those are the things that I can influence and those are the things that I can almost make habitual. And when I focus on these metrics, then I will eventually get the result that I'm looking for. So for a lot of people, if you want to lose one pound a month, the best leading measure for you would be to say, okay, if I work out three times a week or four times a week or five times a week and just measure that every single week, I will definitely hit one pound of weight loss. Yeah, Phil in the dojo kind of brings up a, a good point, which ties to something you said earlier with, with the domino goals. So even better is if you're picking on 
leading measures that are those domino goals that will help improve other things at the same time. So, you know, you were talking about a goal of of health and losing weight, if that's something that would help you with your health goals. So focusing on that can lead to other areas of your life and can improve your your ability to reach other goals as well. Uh, For me, an example that sprang to mind when I when I think about leading measures and lagging measures is I had a goal and I've talked about this on the podcast before that I wanted to read more. And the way most people attack this is by saying, oh, I want to read 50 books a year or something or 30 books a year or whatever that number is. But that doesn't really to me, that doesn't really take into account the books that you're reading. Like you could easily knock off 20 really thin books or you could read like one really long, meaty, in-depth book as well. And as far as that kind of measure, it's the same thing. So for me, instead of thinking about, I want to read X books a year, I kind of flipped it and said, I want to read for a certain amount per day. And whether that worked out to however many books that worked out kind of doesn't really matter. As long as I'm getting that reading done, then I know I'll be achieving my goal and I know I will improve building that habit to the reading. So I really liked this leading versus lagging measure. I know it's been talked about in other places as well, but the 12 week year is the first time that I had really come across it. And I think it does a very good job of linking that to the tracking and the execution aspect of it. So again, that is tip number four is to make sure that you focus on leading measures, not lagging measures. All right, so let's move on to tip number five here, and that is don't go at it alone. When it comes to goal setting and accomplishing our goals, it's oftentimes better to do with other people or to get other people involved in some shape or form to help you accomplish your goals. If you try to go at it alone, your chances of success are oftentimes pretty low compared to when you do with other people, right? It's one of the reasons why, for example, CrossFit is so popular and has gotten really big is because instead of working out by yourself, right? And if you don't feel like working out, you can just go, ah, you know what, I'm gonna go tomorrow. But then if you have to be part of this group or this class or you have a workout buddy or accountability partner and they say, hey, Brooks, are you coming to workout tonight? And you go, uh, no, I don't think so or I don't feel like it. You know, chances are your workout partner or buddy will say, hey, I want you to be there. I want you to come. You were committed. You said you were going to do this. Let's make sure we actually go ahead and do this, right? And so you feel more enticed and and more likely to come when you have some sort of accountability like that. So getting other people involved in that way, right, having some form of accountability makes it more likely for you to follow through. Because if we just do it on our own, we can come up with excuses. We can give, you know, 10 reasons why we shouldn't do something. And uh, if we don't have to report to anybody else, chances are we're just going to not do what we need to do. Yeah, you give a good example because it's amazing how sometimes the excuses we have for not taking our actions for moving towards our goal make perfect sense when they're in our mind. Like, oh, you know, I can't go work out because I had a stressful day yesterday and I'm just feeling tired or, you know, whatever it is, uh, I have something later, you know, these excuses sound totally perfectly valid in our own mind. But then when we go to actually say them to someone else, we realize, even if they're very nice about it, just the, the aspect of saying it to someone else, you realize, no, I guess I could go do my workout after all. <laughs> or you, they still sound good to you, but your, your accountability buddy is like, no, 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 come on, come on, come on. 
So it's really, really powerful. And that's one thing. Another thing I like about 12 week year is it links this accountability aspect in there and really encourages you to go through it and share your accountability. This is one thing that one reason why the dojo, our community is so powerful is people post their 12 week year accountability in our forums so that other people can comment, give encouragement, give assistance if, if any is needed. Sometimes you don't need assistance. Sometimes it's just that act of posting it can really help you keep going. So find people, whatever your goal is, even if they have no idea about the stuff that you're doing, it's always nice when they do. But even if they don't have any idea and can't give you any quote unquote advice, if you can find somebody that you can just share it with, just that sharing can often help you take the action. Yeah, one of my favorite excuses for missing my workouts was I would have it planned on my calendar for, let's say, 60 minutes from three to four. And then I might finish like a call or something. And then it's like 3.08. Like <laughs> I missed like eight minutes. And then I go, oh, no, I can't be perfect anymore. I can't do that perfect workout. I only have 52 minutes. Now I'm going to skip that workout. I'm going to do it next time when I have the full hour. Right. When in reality, those eight minutes make like no difference whatsoever. Right. And if you're somebody like me who has to make sure that everything is quote unquote perfect for you to even start something. Oh, my gosh. If you don't have an accountability partner or something like that, you just come up with like this, the simplest excuses to not do anything. And now the way I just work around this is one, I have a personal trainer and two, uh, our sessions are only 30 minutes. And I've had sessions before where. I could literally only be there for 15 minutes, right? Because my Uber was late or whatever or whatever. And I would still show up for those 15 minutes, but those 15 minutes, oh my gosh, I'm dead in 15 minutes. And uh, it was still worthwhile going, right? And that really taught me a lesson that, you know what? You can do stuff when circumstances are imperfect. The most important thing is actually showing up and still doing it. And when you have that accountability partner or when you have that person on the other side, you know, counting on you, chances are you're gonna actually do it more often than not. All right, so that is tip number five. And those are the tips that we have for you today. So we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And before we close it out, we always like to give you some actionable steps because everything that we do at Asian Efficiency is simple and actionable. So the thing that we recommend that you do today, based on all the tips that we have here, is to create a compelling vision for your life. Again, you can start the 12-week year at any time. It doesn't have to line up perfectly with a certain calendar date or a certain quarter. You can literally start it whenever you want to, right? So the most important steps out of all of these is to create a compelling vision for your life. And we're giving you some prompts inside the dojo course that we have about the 12-week year. We create more prompts for you to use as well. So you can just write it down, follow a bunch of prompts, and we make it really simple for you to follow through and make sure that you create a compelling vision for your life. Because again, this is the mistake that we see most people make is that they just skip this part of the process and just go straight into the actual tactics and doing stuff. But like you said, Brooks, if you miss this part, it becomes so much more challenging and difficult to accomplish those big goals that we have for ourselves. So definitely go create a compelling vision for yourself out there. And again, you can check out the course inside the dojo at theproductivityshow.com slash dojo for just $1 for your first month. And uh, if you love this episode, you can also find links to everything that we share in the show notes today by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 288. Thank you, Brooks, for being on the show today. And it's good to have you back. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get stuff done. 
you should be able to get everything done in the time you have. That's why we built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, increase your energy, and get you more focused. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and within two minutes of taking a productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Don't let your never-ending to-do list drag you down and stop sacrificing your health and family to get stuff done. Take the quiz today. You'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or star in Overcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday.